Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of season nine of the Simplify and Multiply show. And today my guest is Bruce Tolgan, and we have a very different conversation (laughs) in this particular episode because I remember when I first reached out to Bruce and was getting to know him and his business, and he's very, very accomplished. He's a leading expert on young people in the workplace and one of the leading experts on leadership and management. And he has amazing clients, amazing team, and he's been doing this 27 years now. And so when we were having a conversation and I was trying to find, okay, you're no longer a solopreneur, right? You've got quite a substantial business and you're working with many different companies at multiple levels and you have a great team. How can we focus on the topic of bravely making your business 1000% you? And so Bruce went on to tell me a story about how he has felt tired of himself. You know, it's like, I'm tired of the Bruce show and I want to do something different. And he's had a lifelong passion around karate and he wanted to write a memoir on karate. So we started talking about that. And I don't want to give away the episode, but we actually have a really interesting conversation around writing, around, you know, doing what is expected by those we've kind of been trained by, if you will, Um, you know, creating something that's more commercial oriented or trying to resolve a reader's problem versus doing something that's a true creative expression of what we're up to. And I just love that Bruce played along with me. And this was completely unscripted and really (laughs) just kind of went all over the place. But it was a great conversation. And I'm so appreciative to Bruce for being open and allowing me to step in and kind of push him around a little bit. (laughs) So I hope you understand where this is coming from and appreciate my conversation with Bruce Tolkien. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply Show, hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply Show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. Hey, Bruce, welcome to the Simplify Multiply Show. It's great to have you and your 80-pound English Shepherd, four-year-old sweet boy, Bentley, also known as Ben, right along your side. Well, thank you so much for having us. We are delighted to be here. You can't uh, see Bentley, but he's wagging his tail. He's wagging his tail. He's happy. He's like, Daddy's on the mic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I usually refer to myself as Uncle Bruce. I say, you oh, love Uncle your Uncle Bruce. Uncle. That's Don't true because uncle? of how you got Bentley. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Well, it's awesome to have you here. And uh, I remember our first conversation. We were talking about bravely making your business 1,000% you. And you have quite a decent-sized consultancy. You have really blazed a trail in your business and been quite successful. Author of uh, 21 books and uh, consultant uh, to many, many large organizations. I mean, where you make the rain for people uh, is is just really remarkable. And I want to acknowledge you for what you've created in your business. 
And today, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about Bruce and where Bruce is showing up in this big business. Now, a lot of my listeners do have their own business and they are a solopreneur. And so I often have uh, guests as that are solopreneurs. So they're speaking about me being in my business. I'm running it. I'm, you know, spinning all the discs at the DJ station and making it happen. However, for you, it's quite different. But I wanted to get your perspective on how you're showing up as a brand and what you're, how you're evolving your business, as well as the new projects you're working on. So why don't we start by just talking a little bit about your, just really quick about how you got your business started and kind of where you're at now, because that'll give my listener good context. Yeah. So we've been doing this for 27 years, but uh, the way I started was I was a young, unhappy lawyer at number two Wall Street. And uh, I hated being a lawyer. And I started thinking like, what am I going to do? You know, and um, I started interviewing people. Uh, I was going to write an article called what your young employees are whispering about over lunch. And that turned into my first book, Managing Generation X. And I was young, you know, so the Mm -hmm. truth is uh, we made it up as we went along every step of the way. Uh, We moved up from New York to New Haven when my wife started going to Yale uh, to get her Ph.D. And, um, you know, we never left. And so it's just been uh, I mean, the truth is every step of the way, somebody would come to us and say, hey, can you do this? And I would think, sure, I can do that. And then I'd figure out how to do it and do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been doing this for 27 years. We've been interviewing people on the front lines of the workplace for 27 years. When the interviews crystallize into uh, a, a trend or a theme or a problem with a solution set, then I write a book. And uh, we've had tremendous good fortune in having great publishers. And uh, we've had tremendous good fortune in getting some attention for our work and in having great clients and, uh, and having a great team. And uh, so, you know, 27 years we've been doing this. And now we got a dog. Yes, he got Bentley. <laughs> that is awesome. And, you know, it's uh, author to author. Uh, writing a book is is definitely a challenge. I am nowhere near your 21. I only have six under my belt. But, uh, you know, if I could do it for the until I croak, I would be a very happy person. <laughs> I love to write. I certainly love to write. So we were talking about your history and experience and passion around karate and how you have really seen your personal brand, if you will, you know, the brand that has evolved through your uh, through your business for 27 years, become very much businessy. And how now you're looking at, you know what, I really want to write about a passion of mine. And how do I tie that into business? And so I wanted to just explore the conversation a little bit more deeply that we kind of kicked off when we first met about how what's that looking like? And what are some of the things that you thought of or thought about after our first conversation when I kind of asked you that question? Yeah, I mean, every time I set out to write a new book, I'll go to my agent and I'll say, okay, now's the time I'm going to write a book about karate. And she's a very good agent. She happens to be my wife's agent also. And, um, uh, and she's a very accomplished agent. And she really understands publishing and the book market. And she always says to me, I know you love karate. 
But just because you love karate doesn't mean you, can, you need to write a book about it. <laughs> and so, uh, so she's always saying, you know, what's the big thing that your readers need to hear next? And so, you know, that leads me to, oh, I, I guess I should write another book about generational change in the workplace. Or, oh, I guess I should write another book about the difficulty recruiting and retaining employees. Or, oh, I guess I should write another book about management or mm -hmm. another book about collaboration. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, what I really want to write about is uh, the really my lifelong passion, which is karate. And I do think there. And so then, you know, she's OK, well, you know, let, let's have you sit down with some editors. And, you know, I sat down with an editor and she was like, OK, karate, how does that link up with leadership? You know, so so no matter no matter what I do, right? Uh, where's so, the, where's the correlation? Yeah. Someday I'll be ninety, and they'll be saying, "So tell us about young people in the workplace," and I'll be like, "I'm 90. <laughs> you know, what what do I know about young people? See, this is what happens when you reach a level of success and you're making so many people money that they want you to keep running that formula. <laughs> Yeah, I nothing guess nothing wrong so. with that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, or um, hey, I understand. Uh, you know, leaders have a hard time being strong and highly engaged. Is there a way to tie that into karate? And I already wrote a book about that. I want to write about. Uh, I want to write a memoir about um, karate. And even then, you know, my agent says, "Okay, so nobody cares about how you and your friends are so tough." Like, you know, if you're going to write a memoir about karate, it's got to be interesting. It's got to be about something other people can relate to, about how really it seems like you're so tough, but really you're scared just like everyone else. Or So what I've been doing, actually, is I've just been reading a bunch of memoirs and trying to see, like, what is it that makes a memoir really work, you know? Well, what's interesting and what popped in my head just now was our beloved author and like magnificent success, Stephen King. Stephen okay. King, the author of some of the most profound, scary books. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I like his books. Right. And he's known for that. And I'm sure his publisher kept coming to him going, okay, what's the next scary story? What's the next scary story? Sure. How can you thrill us? How can you level it up even more? Right. And so Stephen King wrote a memoir. And it was called On Writing. And yeah. it's one of the best books I've ever read on I writing. I haven't read it. Uh, do you recommend it? Highly. It's not a big book either. So I think that, you know, and I can recommend a couple other good memoirs. Mine is a good one. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'll Jeanette Walls, uh, who wrote The Glass Castle. Yeah, okay. The Glass Castle. Um, that's an excellent memoir. That's yeah, one of I my mean, favorite memoirs. It's, it's really a hot genre, but it's hard to get it right. Or my agent says it's hard to make it interesting uh, because, you know. Bruce, I think you need to stop listening to your agent for a little bit. Oh, she's really good. <laughs> she's really smart. I don't doubt it, but it sounds like there's an inhib there's some, you know, a little bit of inhibitedness, <laughs> if that's a word, well, around what you're really trying to create. And you don't want to create. Uh, inhibit any of your creativity so i challenge you to just take a risk and just write the flipping thing and write it the way you want to write it because the lessons will surface because there'll be the lessons told through your story how you remember it because it's all through your perceptual memory and so i remember when i wrote uh, 14 days 
which is the first book I ever published. And I self-published it. And it was interesting. It was about my, my husband and I, and, you know, three years into our marriage, he was diagnosed with stage four melanoma. Oh, and gosh. so for six years, we, you know, worked on dealing with that, even after only he was given a six-month diagnosis at that first diagnosis. So he he blew out the odds by oh, sticking my. around for another six years. And... My, I, let's see, he passed away in 2004 and I published so the book sorry. in 2007. Thank you. And my recollection, now granted, it was a traumatic experience. I was still in grief when I, when I was drafting it. And, but I remember my recollection was very perceptual because people that were close to me, you know, family members and his daughters, uh, who read the book afterward, it's like the way it showed up for them was a little different. So you have to, you know, even though we write a memoir or even an autobiography, remembering it, how it really happened is going to be skewed because of the the perspective point with, with which we're writing it from. And for my listeners, sorry that we're getting into this writing discussion, but this is just what happens with creative people, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, then I won't go into uh, what I, my response. What I was going to say was uh, that I'm a big believer in reader response theory. And, uh, you know, I feel like I can write for myself or I can write for a reader. And when I write for a reader, uh, then I listen to my agent. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that that comes from writing and publishing 21 books. You know, you're trained, you're well trained. And that's a good thing because you write bestsellers, you write books that are have commercial success and you write books that forward your business, which is what you are supposed to do. So you're doing everything by the book. What my invitation is, you know, put the book on the back of the toilet for a while and go into your writing room and just write for Bruce, the real Bruce, not business Bruce. And see what comes up. I mean, I'm really curious. I mean, to my listener, aren't you curious to know what the real Bruce wants to say? Don't you want like an insider's view into what he really cares about and how he's really perceiving karate and his experience of it and what he sees the potential and what it has unfolded? I mean, that now, Bruce, I know that that discipline and the attention that you've given to it decade after decade after decade has shaped who you are and how you show up in your business. So if that isn't enough of a correlate, I don't know what is. Yeah, I mean, I was a scared little boy when I was seven, and I guess uh, I was kind of soft. And I don't know what uh, made me say to my parents, you know, I think I'd like to do karate. And then my mother, who was extremely thorough, uh, found like, oh, okay, there's this guy who does authentic karate and uh, real karate. And she took me to this place and it smelled like body odor. And there were all these guys, <laughs> mostly guys. And, you know, the, uh, and they, were, they were hitting each other and slamming each other. And, you know, I mean, they were, they were, you know, I was like, golly, this looks kind of serious. And it's funny because over the years, you know, we've learned to teach children differently based on pedagogy and, you know, best practices and pedagogy. But at that time, my teacher, you know, who's still my teacher to this day uh, and lives with us for the last six years. Um, but at that time, you know, the way he taught children was the way he taught adults. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we, we were these seven year old mm -hmm. kids, uh, you know, learning karate. And my mother would say, you know, no, this is serious. If you're going to do this, you have to take it seriously. Um, and, and in, you know, in all candor, 
uh, I probably quit when I was nine and then I quit when I was 10 and then I quit again when I was 11 and then I quit, you know, I, I, it was scary and difficult. And uh, uh, I remember when I was in high school, my teacher said to me, you know, the people who are long-term karateka are not the people who never take time off. Uh, they're the people who always come back. And now I've been doing it for 47 years. And I've seen that myself with my own students. I've seen that with my friends. Um, it's true. It's, 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 it's a through line in life that you always come back to Sanchin, which is our primary discipline. It's like the, 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 major, the main exercise we do. And, um, so, you know, I, I, I do want to write about, I want to write about going from being a scared kid to being like somebody who isn't scared of certainly any person and, uh, you know, and what that means. And, um, and, and karate is much more than about fighting. I mean, it could be, it could be yoga. It could be dance. Mm -hmm. It could be anything at this point right. in my life. It's not about fighting. So tell me more about, I mean, that's almost like a great, that's why I'm glad this is being recorded because that's almost like a great forward or first chapter of your memoir. I mean, it could be, you know, uh, I got to say, one of the things that, um, you know, as I'm exploring, trying to make this more interesting, you know, uh, I'm trying to figure out. Like, <laughs> well, you've really been sold a bill of goods that this is just like a worthless effort to write this It's not memoir. that. It's just that, you know, I want to, you know, I have a lot of characters. My teacher is a fascinating character. He's just an unusual guy. And his teacher, Mr. Nakamatsu in Okinawa, and one of my best friends who's also a client of mine, uh, his name is Jeff Kraus, and he's his, you know, like a, a super amazing titan of business, and you know he's a CEO. And so the book I want to write is called The Karate Master CEO, and that's my way of connecting it to business. To and, business, yeah. <laughs> I and, knew and, you'd and, figure it out some way. <laughs> and, and he's the he's sort of the conceit of the title. And you know, I was 16, he was 12 when we met. And he's this really neat guy. It'd be like if your little brother in the dojo turned out to be like Captain America and Bruce Wayne put together, you know. And, uh, and, but, but he always says that I project like a heroic image onto other people. And I certainly do that to him. You know, I adore him and I project that onto him. Of course, he's hired me and I've, I've worked with his companies when he's a CEO. So one of the ways I think about doing the book is, you know, by day we're transforming this company. By night, we're doing karate out by the pool, you know. And, uh, and so, uh, and uh, one day I went in uh, and I, I just was talking to his HR person. Uh, this was years ago. And I rolled up my sleeves and I showed her my arms were all bruised up. And I said, you see what your CEO did to me? And she was like, oh, no. <laughs> he beat me up last night. And, uh, but, uh uh, I don't know. That book is going to be a work in progress for a little while. Yeah, I think if you just gave yourself the space to sit down and write it, you could probably get it, a draft done in a month if you just get created that space. Guaranteed. I need you as a coach. Yeah. No, seriously, if it's there, I mean, it's dying to come out. I will tell you that. I'll tell you that. Otherwise, it wouldn't be bothering you and you wouldn't have so much resistance around it because <laughs> yeah. you feel it's bucking the norm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. My whole life and career, you know, I had, I've had one job in my life. I was a lawyer for 428 days, and then I retired at the age of uh, 27. 
and, you know, and since then, uh, instead of working, I watch people work and write about it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and yeah. tell them how to do it better. And, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, I always say what I do beats working, but you know, if I had my druthers, I would focus all my time and energy on karate and, and I would still write, but that's what I would write about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> Give yourself I know, permission. I, I hear that. Dude, and, you've been uh, doing this 27 years, right? Well, <laughs> see, you're bringing that out in me. You're very effective. Well, I'm here to create passion and let passion flourish in, in everybody I touch. So you project onto your people, and that's what I do. So I want to go back to something you said a little bit ago when you were talking about the memoir and uh, when you were a kid and how you, and every year you wanted to quit. So talk to me more about quitting. Yeah, I mean, it's karate is, is a little bit scary if you're scared of getting hit, you know, and it's, a, it's very difficult. And, you know, my teacher would do things like have us, uh, now they talk about doing planks. That's like a thing people do. Yeah. Well, we used to do that all the time. This was in mm -hmm. the 70s. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not young. And uh, so we'd go elbows and toes, you know, which you might think of as a particular plank. And then, you know, right elbow up, left foot up. So you'd be there on one elbow and one toe. And then he would just leave the room. Mm -hmm. And he'd leave for what seemed like an eternity. I'm sure and when he, you're on an elbow and a toe. <laughs> yeah. And he'd just wait for people to drop. And then he'd, I think he'd probably wait until there was one person still up. And then he'd come in. And say, you know, and say, I'll tell you when to be tired, you know, and um, and, you know, and of course, uh, and this guy lives with me now and his he's elderly now. Um, so I half the time I feel like saying elbows and toes, buddy, I'll tell you when to be tired. But, you know, uh, but uh, but uh, that's a good T-shirt, by the way, elbows and toes, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So but it just it was it was difficult. You know, and I was a kid, you know, and uh, so uh, it, and it, 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 it uh, so I would I would I would give up sometimes and then I decided, oh, I want to go back. And then it was often hard to go back. One time I remember I went back and I was wearing a gi. I was like 10. You know, I mean, I would only quit for a few months at a time, you know, and then mm -hmm. I'd, all right, I'm going to go back. And then I went back and I was wearing a gi and I must have grown a little and I probably got a little pudgy. And my gi didn't really fit, and, and my belt didn't really tie properly. And uh, my teacher, he kind of put his arm on my shoulder, and he took me into the office, and he gave me a new gi to put on. And, you know, I always remember that because it would have felt so awkward to go into the dojo, you know, as a little kid wearing a gi that, you know, didn't really fit and made mm -hmm. me look chubby and you know, made me feel chubby. And... Um, and he made it easy. So he always made well, it easy. Well, that was his way back. of welcoming you back. Yeah, exactly. He always made it easy to come back. Mm -hmm. uh, and whatever differences we've ever had, I got to say, the incredible generosity of spirit and his ability to welcome people and make them feel welcome and make them feel like karate was not his thing, but their thing uh, is just a, a, it's a tremendous gift as a teacher uh, and a tremendous gift as his student, you know? Yeah. Well, so there's your, there's your chapter on quitting. <laughs> okay. Let's keep going. This is great. You yeah. There's your I'll chapter the whole on book quitting. Done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I, I have this image of, you know, the book, he was very sick a number of years ago. And 
So I want in the middle of the book, I, you know, I'm going to let him be very sick because he was and let the reader think what happens to him. And then in the last chapter, he comes to live here. And then the last chapter we call the karate master next door. And in my mind's eye, that turns into a sitcom. See? <laughs> a sitcom. The sitcom of the karate master next door. Yeah. So, so Bruce. Because we do have, you know, we have this house here where the office is and the dojo's here. I don't usually tell people about this because it's just, you'd, you'd have to see it to believe it. But we have our staff on the second floor. We routinely have people living here, like his grandson lived here for almost three years. Um, he's living on the first floor. And, you know, every, nobody really comes here, but every so often somebody comes here and they're like, what, there's a karate master in there? And what, there's a dojo there? And now there's a dog? And who's living in that room? And it's a little bit like a situation comedy. Yeah, but I think that that's such, that's, that's what's beautiful about this story is, you know, how'd you come up with that? And why did you do that? And why were all those, you know, why was that important to you? And, and it's those things versus the, ooh, is this viable from a commercial standpoint? And how can I make this, or, you know, connect into this and that? And it's like, tell, tell the memoir from your heart of the experience versus in order to. And one of the most important things that I, I learned as a writer and this was told to me by my dear friend, Drew Westphier. One day we were uh, working on our writing project and just talking writing. You know, when you get with another writer, it's just like you, the hours fly by. And I remember, you know, I was just wringing my hands. It was my second memoir that I never did publish. It was called Broken Widow. And uh, I never published it, but I had to write it. You know, it was just one of those things. And uh, I remember I was just all wrapped around the axle around this one particular chapter or something I was working on. And I remember reading it to him and I'm like, rah, 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 and I'm like ragging on it and stuff. And he's like, Terry, <laughs> he said, you have to allow the reader to come to their own conclusion. And I was trying to facilitate the story too much. I wasn't just letting them be a voyeur in my memory of my experience. And that's the difference because the reader is going to create their own story out of it by what they're taking from it versus, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? And that's, I think, personally speaking, and I've been, I've actually been the victim or the, I guess not victim, but the perpetuator of writing a book that's very how-to and doing articles and videos on how-to, how to do this, how to do that. You know, we're all very informational in the marketing slash uh, product creation process of our businesses. And I think that that gets lost when we, uh, we, you know, the real experience of who we are gets lost in that in order to accomplish something through this book. And that's what the commercialization of business books, the nonfiction world, has really come to. And that's why I love memoir, because memoir can be such a, an honest reflection of the person that's sharing that experience and the reader will have their own takeaways. And I've come to really respect that about authorship and writing uh, since then. And, uh, and I think it was partly what inspired my Compass Playbook, which is a creative problem solving workbook where they do all the work, you know, I just create a prompt and then they go for it. So I guess what, you know, I just keep giving you some pushback around this because I feel like I'm being your mentor here, you know, around. I like it. I like let it. Let go of that it. business crap and make this book a, your story and your heart and your soul because that's what people are, are really looking for. I mean, that's why I created the theme for this 
season of bravely making your business 1000% you because when when you show more of who you really are and the your customers that become your friends, right? That these clients who are these amazing performers in life and they give you these accolades about how you show up to them. That's what they want to see more of. Not, okay, Bruce uses this special technology that he created himself based on all the research and the interviews he's done, blah, blah, blah. And he wrote 21 books on it. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, look, um, you know, all my research and all my books are about, you know, how to manage yourself, how to manage people who report to you, how to manage your boss, how to manage people sideways, how to manage people diagonally. And um, so when I think about writing a book about karate, I'm also thinking, okay, like, so what's the training program that comes out of this? <laughs> you know, and, I know uh, you're overtrained. <laughs> and um, and and uh, but I do, you know, I also see it as a pivot because mm -hmm. I would love, and I do think there's a lot to be learned that's generalizable from karate. Absolutely! You know, uh, oh my goodness! Uh, and and there are principles. Uh, that I could convey, I could punctuate the book periodically with principles that could be turned into a training program. Mm -hmm. But to your point, um, yes, that is a big part of how I'm trying to make this a viable project mm -hmm. rather than just writing it. You know? Yeah, it's and, like uh, a title like uh, Karate Chop Your Work or Karate Chop Your your Life. <laughs> you know, it could be, you know, how, how principles of karate showed me how to be successful in life or something like that, you know, working with the top CEOs in the, in the world. Yeah. See, then they, they, they'd be like, all right, let's do it. You know, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah. uh, um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's funny when, when we first talked and you said, uh, uh, how to make, how to bravely make your business. Tell me the, the mantra. Bravely again, making your business 1000% you. 1000% you. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, I think I told you this, that, you know, so we do all this research and, uh, we do analyze the research and, and surface findings, and we, we do have a great team here. And um, certainly there's a lot more than me uh, that's necessary to, to deliver our content. Absolutely, to, yeah. to deliver our, our services. Um, but so much of the business is like the Bruce show. You know, when we, when we uh, gather data and analyze it, and then we, you know, I write it into a white paper and we release it when we uh, uh, have, do a radio show, it's me. You know, when uh, I show up on TV, it's me. When I go give a speech, it's me. When we do the consulting, even when we have other consultants, you know, what the client wants, me. And so it's the Bruce show. And I'm like a traveling vaudeville performer. And, you know, and, and in the pandemic, uh, the hardest thing has been doing that from behind a camera uh, but, but a lot of it, has, it's also caused me to think and I'm, I'm getting sick of me and I mm -hmm. want to find ways to, uh, shine a bright light on other people and their voices and shine a bright light on, you know, so, so it's interesting because where I am in my life now, I think probably you would tell me, oh, but the real thing is that all these 27 years, it hasn't been you. It's been just some version of you. or something. Yeah, because I already told you that. That's why you're yeah. remembering that. 
<laughs> and and that uh, it's the been real... the business, Bruce, and that's yeah. okay because you're, you're you right like you that. say a vaudeville vaudeville performer. Yeah. You know, you are a performer. I mean, just like I am when I work with a client. You know, I'm giving them my best expertise and guiding them and blah blah blah, and and that's what people pay us for. So right, I always joke to my wife like it's. You know, okay, I'm gonna go. I'll be back in 36 hours. I'm gonna go play Mr. Know-It-All, and and it make you know, and it it, it it just you know, I'm at an age and a stage in my life where, um, yeah, where 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 uh, I'm I'm dubious uh, that people, you know, how much more do people want to hear me talk? Gee, well, talk in that way. Okay. Yeah. See. See. Yeah. Uh, we, we're going to need, so I don't know what your schedule is like, <laughs> but you know, no, I'm serious. And you know, this is, see, this we're is the, need to talk more regularly. <laughs> this is the benefit of objectivity, right? And, and also the work I've done in my life and with, with a couple of my clients have gone, you know, we've gone pretty deep. And so, you know, these are the things that I think we get so used to a certain way of being, we don't see the opportunities to be who we really are. And we think we're being who we really are. And there's definitely a component of what that is because we're delivering it, right? We're the ones in the skin and out there walking around and saying things and doing things. And so that makes sense. It's logical. However, there's a, there's a level of permission that I believe that many human beings and solopreneurs in particular, business people, uh, neglect because they don't take they don't take stock of what that could be or appreciate that there is a vacuum of who a person really is in their audience's eyes. And the audience isn't really asking for it because they're busy trying to fix their problems, right? So they're going to the, the solution guy or the solution girl to get what they need. But when they form a real relationship, a real bond, that comes from showing the vulnerability, you know, talking about where I was, where I didn't have my, you know, what together, and I was doing all these things and making all these mistakes. And I think it's the more human side that people are really aching for now, especially after going through a pandemic. And it's the reason why I'm doing it, because I get this strong sense that people are tired of the machine. They're tired of, you know, having to do so much work to fix their problems and use this system and that system and game this and game that. And and it becomes so rote after a while. And in a world that is so free from the standpoint of being able to literally start a business, do whatever you want to do, whether you're side hustling or whatever it is, and express your creativity, people still turn to what's going to make money. How am I going to show up? You know, how can I make this into a viable business? How do I do this, that, and the other thing? You know, even criminals work that way. <laughs> they figure out what's the best way I can be a criminal and make money and, you know. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, look, um, I put a great value on being authentic, being genuine, you know, and yet I also, um, I mean, I feel your point of view is instructive in that uh, I definitely um, present the self that I know, or the self who I know, uh, my clients want to see, mm. and um, and um, you know, a, a close friend of ours uh, has a birthday party maybe every other year where she 
invites her friends to do like a talent show. Oh, that's and, fun. Uh, it's really neat. And uh, uh, she, and, and in fact, she was a guest on, on my podcast. Uh, her name is Ginger Nash. She's really cool. She's a naturopathic physician. And um, she, uh, and uh, so uh, uh, years ago, uh, I got up, I was like, well, you know, the only, I could give a little speech or I could do some karate. And they were all going, do both, do both. So spontaneously. Simultaneously. So I did that. Sp spontaneously, I did both at the same time. Oh, I love and it. People were cracking up. Uh, and I've always, you know, and I've, and, and, and I've done it every other year at her birthday that's party. That's hilarious. Uh, I and love it's it. Just, that's creative. That's, it's the only venue in which I've ever done it. Uh, but there's something about it that's so, you know, it's disrespectful in a way of karate. It's disrespectful of, of the work I do for, for business leaders or managers or whoever uh, uh, benefits from my seminars. But, but it's also, it's so real and it's so authentic and, and it's meant to be a little bit of a parody of both, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, uh, but boy, it's, it's pretty funny. But mm -hmm. uh, but but the, the but you know and, and it's been a running joke that I should just show up on stage sometime and do that. But people, I don't, people would, <laughs> I mean, people would not know what to make of it. You know, honestly, Bruce, I really think that you know this has been a really interesting conversation for me, and I hope for you as well, and I me hope for too, my yeah. listener as well. Um, I think what's really this is why I'm egging you on to have a little bit greater sense of urgency in writing this memoir. Because I think it's going to make what you do business-wise better. Because well, I think that through the experience of writing this memoir, you're going to open some doorways that have been wanting to open regarding how you show up and how you express your value and how you care for others and inspire others and do your work that will bring it to a whole new level and get you reengaged with what you love to do because you're combining your passions. And that's another thing about that I want my listener especially to hear is giving yourself permission to bring more of your passions into your work. You know, one of wow. my passions was oil painting and I started oil painting again after 25 years. I, that's how long it's been since I actually picked up a paintbrush. And I am thrilled that, and I'm sharing it with my, my business uh, audience. And they're like, holy crap, I had no idea. And like they're leaning in and they're like so interested in my story. And, you know, oh, I had a greeting card company. Oh, my God, Terry, tell me about that. And, and it's like they want to get to know me more than just I know my stuff. I'm an expert. Do what I say and you'll be fine kind of person. And I'd rather show up as the, the goofy, irreverent, creative Terry Pappy <laughs> versus this I've got my you know what together Terry who does business. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think you're brave, uh, Terry, oh, thank and you. Uh, I think you're wise, and uh, I feel like I've learned a lot from this. So I, I hope that somehow I have uh, provided some value, too, because I pride myself. I try to add value in everything I do, and uh, I hope I've added some value here, too. Yes, so, you have. Uh, you, you, have. Certainly <laughs> have you, you certainly have given me some lessons and uh, giving me a lot to think about. So well, you. I appreciate your openness and, and being fodder for my poking and prodding to get it's that fun. inner creative to come out a little bit more because he's just dying to tell these stories. 
And I know it's going to be wonderful. So I am grateful that you came and spent time with me and my listener today. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to stay on the periphery of the Bruce show and see if we can continue getting you to relax into your karate world and your passions and get that book written because we all want to read it. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. And I certainly hope we will stay in touch. And it's an honor and a privilege to be on your show. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Bruce. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.